This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. It's Mark Madden on the aptly named Mark Madden podcast here on the Bet Rivers Network. It's time for my top three list right off the bat. And it's my top three players the Steelers could get with pick number 17 overall in the NFL draft. Number one, Peasy's kid, the cornerback from Penn State. They should put that on the back of his uniform, his number and then Peasy's kid. Number two, Deontay Banks, the cornerback from Maryland. Number three, Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee. But first and foremost, Peasy's kid, because I've been saying that since October. Uh, I'm joined now by Tom Opferman. Uh, Tom, we're going to talk about Brian Reynolds' new contract with the Pirates in just a few minutes. But right now, we got to talk Peasy's kid. I'm stuck on Peasy's kid. And he is a good player, but he only had one interception his whole career at Penn State. How, how'd that happen? Yeah, that's a bit odd, right? For a player that's projected as a surefire number one corner in the NFL draft, it usually comes with a couple more interceptions than just one in your entire career at college. I actually think I'm a little bit leaning more towards Deontay Banks as a player, but I think they're going to take Peasy's kid at number 17 overall. Well, if you it's have to keep in mind that Deontay Banks is not Peasy's kid. That's exactly right, which is why they're going to take Peasy's kid at number 17, because he's Peasy kid, first and foremost. Now, I, I've been told that the reason he got so few picks is because Teams stopped throwing at him after a while. That which, could be which, true. which could be the case, but he's also known for being grabby. There's no five-yard cushion in college ball. He took advantage of that. Will he be flagged a lot in the pros? Yes, he will be flagged a lot in the pros. The thing about people avoiding him in college, I mean, that does make sense, but you're playing against some crappy teams every once in a while in college, against some crappy tournaments, even in Big Ten conference play for some botting-feeding schools. Quarterback's going to make a mistake from time to time, and a really good corner is going to grab more than one interception. So I'm, I maybe buy no, that no, in no. the pros. I think he's a really good corner. Uh, you know, it could be just a statistical anomaly. <laughs> maybe he's like Ike Taylor and can't catch the ball. <laughs> Although I've, I've not, I've not seen that on scouting reports. No, I haven't seen that either. It might be a statistical anomaly, but it's one that definitely gives you a bit of a pause and and makes you wonder a little bit. Won't won't give them a a bit of pause unless... Because it's Peasy's kid. Unless. What if Washington takes him right before at 16? That would suck and be hilarious at the same time. And I've seen some people think that might happen. I think that they will be safe, though, because I think either Banks or Peasy's kid is going to be there at 17. So if it's Peasy's kid that goes off the board to Washington at 16, I think they have a pretty good backup plan in Deontay Banks that's sitting there. Your third guy on your top three list, Darnell, Darnell Wright. Wright, I think he's going to be gone before they even get to 17. Do you really? Yeah, I think the Packers could take it at 13. That would be a huge leap up because he was projected second round before the Senior Bowl and the Combine and the Pro Day. 
And it always amuses me when guys' draft prospects increase. Their stock jumps when they're not playing games. Yeah, I, it, it is very amusing. You see that with quarterbacks a lot, too. I, I think Skaronsky and Johnson Jr. are going to go early, and that might start teams like the Packers, the Patriots, who pick, uh, I believe, in the 16th or the 15th spot before the Steelers, the Packers at 13. Yeah, it could start a run on Packers. Exactly. So the Packers might panic and go, ooh, we need to take Darnell right right now. He's not going to last. Like, what's that guy's name? Broderick next. Crawford? Broderick Jones oh, out of Georgia. It'd be better if it was Broderick Crawf- Crawford. He'd be the number one pick, I think. Car 51, where are you? That's, that's a very dated reference for somebody as young as you, Tom. Uh, no idea what you're talking about. Uh, and that's why this podcast is great. Uh, Peter King has the Steelers taking a receiver, and not Jordan Addison at pick 17. And that makes me flinch because Pete is really dialed in, and his mock draft gets more right in the first round than anybody else, whether it's Kuyper, McShay. But but they just traded for you know a, a slot guy. For Allen Robinson, I, and and I don't see them taking a receiver and then pushing Deontay to the slot, making him the clear number three receiver. Maybe not right away, but certainly in relatively short order, because Deontay would be real tough to deal with then. Yeah, when we did the podcast last week and Robinson got traded, I said I don't rule out them drafting a receiver still, and you did. And I'm starting to come around to your line of thinking, as I just always should from the start, honestly. You yeah, but, but Peter King. Right, exactly. It's it's like the one interception with Peasy's kid. It just it really does give you some pause there when it's well, him saying well, it. As I've been saying and I've said for years, never rule out the Steelers doing something that on the surface looks insane, but when you drill down deep, it turns out to be really insane. And I think it would be really insane if they took a receiver, especially in the first round. You've got a clear top three that you can roll with. You still have Kenny Kangaroo, Calvin Austin the third. You still have Anthony Miller. They just re-upped Miles Boykin. It's a really crowded receiving room already. I, I don't think you need to add another person in there. And you got your top two, which is really all that matters. And you got your need, too. Uh, needs. They need a quarterback and a tackle, but they need an inside backer, too. The free agents they signed might not solve a lot at inside backer. And I don't think the draft class this year is going to solve a lot at inside backer either. That's a 2024 offseason problem, I think, for the Steelers. It's just a dog crap class right now for inside backers. I mean, rarely do you see a mock draft where one goes in the first round. And if it is, it's the very end of the first round. I mean, sometimes you don't see guys go until, like, pick 37, 38, as far as an inside linebacker is concerned. I know some people have put Trent Simpson to the Steelers at pick number 32 out of Clemson. He could be good, but he probably just projects to be just another guy at inside linebacker. That's a problem that I think is a next-year offseason problem. And people need to realize that this is not just a, a one-offseason oh, fix-all. Oh, that's not how they see it. That's not how they see it. I, I'm doing a people bit— People or the Steelers? Uh, 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 the people. I think the Steelers might know, but they're good at fooling themselves too, Tom. And uh, I'm going to go on my show on the X uh, today, Thursday. I'm going to talk about uh, Kenny Pickett's stats from last year. Because there's this presumption he's going to take this giant leap forward. I don't think people realize how profoundly awful his numbers were last year. I mean, profoundly awful. And now with Aaron Rodgers in the AFC, that's yet another team that has a quarterback who's clearly better, at least for right now. Yeah, he didn't throw more than one touchdown pass in a single game all of last season. Even a, Is that right? Yeah. I don't even have that in the... In the, in the numbers I, I've compiled... I, I believe he has not thrown for more with, than... Which to crucify, so thank you. He's rushed for a couple of touchdowns in a single game. He's had multiple touchdowns in a game through the air and on the ground, but I believe it's only been one touchdown pass per game for Kenny Pickett, or excuse me, not per game, but one touchdown pass was his limit. 
We had seven touchdowns, nine picks. Even bad quarterbacks have two touchdowns in a football game. Like, it is something that you have to be concerned about. But now hold on, those two drives. What about those two drives? He has the it factor. Well, yeah, and that is a part of it, and it gives you encouragement. It's not all of it. But it encourages you to think that his stats will improve in year two. But people that just assume that it's a it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to start throwing 25 touchdown passes, that's a big leap from 7 see, to 25. See, here, here's the thing. Kenny Pickett ain't Patrick Mahomes. He ain't Zach Wilson either. He's probably Danny Dimes or Kirk Cousins. But it took Danny Dimes a while, and that's okay. But it might take more than just a, a second year. The current landscape of the AFC quarterbacks, too, it's not the time to have a Danny Dimes or a Kirk Cousins. Like, you can't slip through the cracks, I don't think, with one of those quarterbacks in the AFC now. Ain't nobody slipping through the cracks in the AFC. And, no. and that includes the Jets. They, they might make the playoffs with Rodgers. They won't win a playoff game. I don't think they'll win the division. What do you think about this? I think the Packers might have a better chance to win their division next year than the Jets to win theirs. Given the division, yes. Yes. And, and you know, Jordan Love from up above, I mean... He's thrown like 40 career passes. He yeah, might be good. He might, and He's a first-round pick. Right, he's got pedigree. <laughs> it is very... People always say it's very reminiscent of how Favre got traded by the Packers, it right? It is. Okay, well, maybe it works out the same with the new quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And it's not exactly like, you know, he's quarterbacking the Houston Texans, a team that's just completely devoid of talent. They should have made the playoffs last year. The reason that they didn't was because Rodgers got swept by the Lions and couldn't beat the Lions in the final game of the regular season in his own stadium. Here's a great question. Who would you rather have at quarterback uh, for the long haul? Who do you think is going to turn out to be a better quarterback, Zach Wilson or Kenny Pickett? Kenny Pickett. I think Zach Wilson's damaged goods. Okay, you might be right, but are you a thousand percent sure? This is a second pick overall. I think he may not get opportunities beyond right. what he's had. That's what's going to kill him. But I, I still think he's a talent. I think. He's... I think any team that gives up on a second pick overall after a year and a half is foolish. Well, let's put it. He's definitely going to get another opportunity. I don't think he's just going to be thrown into the scrap heap after one chance with the New York Jets. Not and by the older ladies, that's for sure. No, for sure. He, he'll have a great career in the adult film industry if this doesn't work out. But Zach Wilson, to me, just, I don't know. Nothing about him strikes me as someone that's going to get onto a second team and just all of a sudden hit the ground running. He's had such a tough time in New York. I I, I feel pretty confident betting in Kenny Pickett being in Zach Wilson. I I do feel confident in that. I, Let's, I'll let's, disagree a little bit with you. Let's on that. hope the bar's slightly. Yeah, it's not exactly the highest bar you set for me here. Than that. Uh, okay, let's go to five guys. But first off, let's go to the five guys list that we we um, edited out ourselves. Let's just let's just put the five names out there, and maybe astute listeners can guess uh, what the list is. All right. So uh, in this aborted five guys list, number five is Jonah Hill playing Jonah Hill. Number four is... That, that's in... Uh, this is the end. This is the end. Number four is Barry Badranath in the movie Beer Fest. Who's Barry Badranath? Who's Barry Badranath? Who's Barry Badranath? Number three is Andy Dufresne in the great movie Shawshank Redemption. A great number movie. Number two is Marcellus Wallace in Pulp Fiction. And number one I is... I see a common thread. And number one is Bobby, Ned Beatty. From Deliverance. A great movie. Just, I mean, All of these are really incredible movies. Right. I'm going to throw in, um, since I, I do know the common thread, I'm going to throw in Tobias Beecher from the HBO uh, series Oz. Okay, let's go to the, the real five guys. All right, the real five guys today are fictional rock stars. Number five, Stacey Jacks, Rock of Ages, played by Tom Cruise. Kind of a disappointing performance because you'd expect more from Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise doesn't look like a rock star. And you think that's what Tom did him Tom Cruise in? looks like a movie pretty boy. And that's why that, that movie disappointed me. 
He doesn't look like a movie Pretty Boy in Tropic Thunder, though, when he plays that character. That that might be his finest work. I can't wait for that. You know they're making a movie about him, right? Just about Les Grossman? Like a, a standalone with Tom Cruise? That's going to be great. I want you to punch that director in the face really hard. Number four, Russell Hammond, almost famous from the band Stillwater, played by Billy Craddock. Uh arguably the best rock and roll movie ever. I would have him higher up the list. He's loosely based on Glenn Fry of the Eagles. Because the guy who wrote Almost Famous, it's loosely based on his real experience. Cameron Crowe, right? not, not loosely based. It it's, it's very based. I mean, he was a, a phenom writer for like Rolling Stone. He was 15, Cameron Crowe. A lot of respect for his work in, in all genres. But uh, yeah, Glenn Fry with a few quotes from Robert Plant. I'm a golden god, and a little bit of Jimmy Page thrown in. So excellent work by Billy Crudup, and uh, uh, I'm surprised it's not higher up the list, but let's hear what else you got. Number three, Chris Izzy Cole from Rockstar, Steel Dragon, Mark Wahlberg. I would have him below uh, Billy Crudup, Billy Crudup. But, but, Fair but, but, but still, he, he did a great job, and uh, he came off, like, like ordinarily you'd say Mark Wahlberg doesn't look like you know a rock star either, but... He looks like the replacement singer rock star, which is because that's was. based on the Judas Priest story. When when uh, when Ripper Owens in. Ripper Owens uh, joined Judas Priest after they had a falling out with Rob Halford, uh, I think that's an underrated movie. I thought Jennifer Aniston was yes. miscast as the girlfriend because she doesn't look like the rock star girlfriend. I agree with that. Steel Dragon songs that they wrote for that movie too, they're kick ass. Well, some of those were were. Like kind of reruns from other bands, like, like covered um, it up. Yeah, Steelheart. Okay, Steelheart, and I think the Steelheart singer was Izzy Cole's voice in the movie too. Number two, Aldis Snow from both Get Him to the Greek and Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Russell Brand, Infant Sorrow. I I can't believe that he's not number one. Well, I think you will uh, believe it when I tell you who number one is. No, but hold on, I want to talk forget? about Inf- I, I, I want to talk about Infant Sorrow. Who could forget more? their single or his breakout single Inside of You? What a lyrical Inside masterpiece! Inside of you. Inside of you. And Jonah Hill's like dancing to it. <laughs> I long to be. Is it wrong to be inside of you? Yeah, and um in, in the opening number from his concert when he's playing with the bone showing. <laughs> like a dog that's gone insane, you're putting me down, down, down. Like the needle in my vein, you're bringing me <laughs> down, down, down. Better and get him to the Greek or forgetting Sarah Marshall? Uh both amazing. Both amazing. Uh, the character was expanded upon and get yeah. him to the Greek, but I think Sarah Marshall was the better movie. Agreed. And the scene when he's surfing with Jason Siegel's character and Jason Siegel runs into him, that's just all-time scene, especially Paul Rudd. You sound like you're from down under. <laughs> when he's bleeding profusely. <laughs> yeah. No, you sound like you're from London. London, London, London. town. <laughs> yeah. Paul Rudd, it's given so chance, can play a great idiot. The only thing that was bad about the connection between those movies was Jonah Hill playing different characters. Oh, right, because in Get Him to the Greek, he's he's a main character, just right. a little side-piece waiter in the right, Forgetting right, Sarah Right, exactly. But he has a great scene in Forgetting Sarah went from six to midnight whenever yeah, he's it, playing it, the song. It, it, it's just, I, I forget the line, oh, when 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 he's arguing with Jason Siegel on the surfboard, he goes, wait, you can't be mad, go to the ocean. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and also, I forget what he says, when he goes, he goes, I've been with her for three weeks. I can't imagine what three years was like. It was like, I forget, he said something we probably shouldn't say here. <laughs> and then number one, and I think you'll agree with this, David St. Hubbins, Michael McKean's character in Spinal Tap. Also, Nigel Tufnell by Christopher Guest. I mean, how do you choose? You could you could put uh, the entirety th- yeah. of, of Spinal Tap. Yeah, tremendous. 
I, I, I think this selection adds perspective. Maybe a little too much effing perspective on Elvis's grave. And the best part is they're actually at Elvis's grave. <laughs> so the order, you'd only switch up maybe Chris Cole and Russell Hammond. You're pretty yes. good with Snow being number two and then the Spinal Tap boys at number one. I, I would put uh, I would put Russell Hammond at three. Uh, and I I could flip two and three, but I'm not fanatic about it. The Spinal Tap guys as a group entry, including Marty DeBergy, uh Rob Reiner. We had Rob Reiner on the show to plug a movie, and, and we said to him beforehand, hey, listen, you know, we want to talk about the movie, and we're going to be very respectful, but we got to talk about Spinal Tap and, and all in the family. He said, oh, no problem. <laughs> I'm sure he gets that all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spinal Tap was mostly ad-libbed. Did you know that? No, I didn't, but that I'm not surprised with that crew of comedians right. that did that movie. Michael McKean, Rob Reiner would have been on my bucket list for interviews. Michael McKean would be on it, too. All right, good to I know. just think his character is just, un- I, I think everything he's done, even Lenny and Squiggy. Lenny and Squiggy, did you ever see Laverne and Shirley? No. Okay, good. Because it's the worst TV show in history. But and Michael it, McKean. And it says a lot about America that... It was somehow rated number one for two years. <laughs> and Michael McKean and David Outlander, who's a Pittsburgh guy, as Lenny and Squiggy, made the show. They were absolutely brilliant. They, they did the Belushi thing from Animal House. They were all entrances and exits. Hello. Like 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 what like Laverne or Shirley would say, who could possibly be that stupid? It burst in. Hello. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, Michael McKean, uh, uh top man, no question. Yeah, and all the Christopher Guest movies I'm a huge fan of. Too. And I you used said to, you never saw Best in Show though, right? No, I Michael never did. Michael McKean's in that never too. Did. He's great in that. I, I also um had the pleasure of sitting next to David Outlander in the press box at uh, Pirate Games a few times. He was a big pirate guy, and he scouted for, I don't know if it was the Pirates or another team, but he was often a presence. He he died too young, I, I want to say, from the big C, but he was a he was a heck of a guy, David Outlander. Well, he's probably doing backflips up in heavens because of the Reynolds extension now. Well, let's, let's talk about the Reynolds extension. No, I bet he sees it for what it is. <laughs> uh, no, let, let's talk about the Reynolds contract. Uh, eight years, $106.75 million. The first Bucko contract to be in nine figures. I thought he came cheap. His yeah. average annual value was 13 plus. Like, I always hear him compared to Brandon Nimmo, right? The yeah. guy from the Mets. Brandon Nimmo's average annual value was 20 point million something. You, you know what I mean? And and don't get me wrong. I don't think anybody's ever unhappy getting 106.75 right. million. But he came way down. He didn't get the opt-out cause. And he has a very limited no trade to only six teams that he can pick. Now, here's the thing. His contract's way backloaded. Right. They still could trade him when he gets too expensive if he's not good and they're not good. I think their most expensive year, too, is the team option year in 2031. I think if they pick that up, it's $20 million. I'll be dead by then. I don't care. <laughs> and he'll be traded by then, too, so it absolutely won't matter. I don't know how you can be mad at them for doing this. No, no, no. I think it's a, I think it's a big win for the yeah, team. Yeah, for sure. And if he's happy, he's happy. But I think he but sold it, himself way short, don't yeah, you? Yeah, and it kind of makes you a little nervous that it's a guy that's not really betting on himself, right? Because if he just gets to free agency in 2026, or maybe he just got tired of it. I, I, I understand. Guess, but I understand. Stuff like let me tell you, there have been situations in in my business career, not with radio, but certain other you know smaller things, where I settled for a little less just because I got tired of talking okay. about it. Okay, that's fair. Actually, that's not true. I don't think that ever happened. Thinking out loud, there were times when I almost did it, but then I I said, okay, I just won't do it at all, and I wound up getting more. But if like 2026 rolls around and he doesn't sign this extension with the Pirates, and he's a free agent, all of his service time has been served. 
some team like the Mets is going to overpay for him. So it's weird to me that he wouldn't, even if he is tired of it, suck it up for at least three more years, go through arbitration. Well, now that I'm saying it, it does sound like a pain in the ass. Yeah, now he years. knows. <laughs> now he knows. He can't possibly be unhappy with the money he got. That's the point. I mean, $106 million guaranteed. I mean, it's life-changing money. I mean, you know, I've come to realize that I handle negotiations like, uh, like Kieran Culkin in Succession. Where I tell the guy I'm negotiating with, I hate you, go F yourself, and then somehow I get offered more money at the end of it. But it does suck that like now the pirates get to be paraded around and you know national people are picking them up and just oh, saying, no, I think it's good. No, because it's like yeah, oh, they paid I, all this I, money. I, but I know like, how it ends. Okay, never lose sight of who the owner is and what his end game is. And I know how this ends, and it's not with the World Series. And looking at it relatively to everybody else in baseball, like yeah, they're throwing the big parade, the biggest contract the pirates gave out. It's like butt white money compared to a lot of other teams and other contracts that they give out. So like it's great that the Pirates finally did this, but like they gave out a thirteen point five million dollar per year contract and everybody's like, Yes, finally! We did it. We're a real baseball team. We we, yeah, we're a real baseball team. We can't draw more than seventeen K at home for a four game series we swept after a series on the road we swept. But yeah, you're right. Pinocchio, you're a real boy now. And everybody says, Oh, well, kids are still in school, Mark. Well, the Reds game was on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Kids don't have school but on Friday, Saturday, But the weather was bad. Um, <laughs> uh, do you think Reynolds is a superstar? I don't. You see, here's the thing. If you look in the context of how, what other guys get paid, like the aforementioned Brandon Nimmo, Reynolds is getting underpaid. But if you look at what he does compared to actual worth, he's probably getting almost exactly what he's worth. This is very good player money. I don't think he's a superstar. I think he's getting a deal that that, that actually matches what he does. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think he projects to be a superstar either. He's not touchback win. No, he's not going to win an MVP. He's probably not even going to be close to winning He's only an MVP. been in one All-Star game. Exactly. That's his ceiling, is making the All-Star game. And if this current crop of Pirates pan out and everybody reaches their full potential, and I know he's hurt right now, but Reynolds won't even be the best player on the team. It'll be Cruz. So I don't think he has much superstar If they can keep Cruz and Reynolds is still here... Then people can have faith, more faith. He's also just, I won't. He's what, al- who am I kidding? He's also just like kind of a boring player, right? Like he doesn't really have any like star attraction to him. No dreadlocks, no bat velocity. Exactly. He doesn't throw 150 miles per hour across the diamond from shortstop at six foot seven. Like there's just no star appeal about him. But then again, if, is there really if, in baseball? If, if he could do that left-handed, that would be amazing. <laughs> no, if, if hey, if he had that star power, he would have got more money and probably wouldn't have stayed here. I agreed with that. So it's a good thing that he's at least a little self-aware in that aspect and probably realizes maybe what you're saying, that this is actually exactly what I should be getting paid for the next eight years. Let's go to Good Cop, Bad Cop. What do you got? All right, today's Good Cop, Bad Cop in honor of the NFL draft are number one overall picks in the draft. Good Cop, I have Peyton Manning, arguably the greatest number one overall pick of all time. But the interesting story there is a lot of people thought that Ryan Leaf should have got ahead of him. Yeah, exactly. It's also interesting to note that Peyton Manning... Who became... Did he become a felon? Was he like... Some bad stuff right. happened, yeah. I, I think he was an addict. Remember, like, when he, remember when he yelled at the sports writer, like, got right in his face? Yeah, I think he was an addict, like a, a drug addict. I think he had some trouble there. But with Peyton Manning, it's funny, people propped up his rookie year as, you know, something to compare to Kenny Pickett. Oh, he had a bad rookie year, too, and look at how Peyton turned out. Well, I did some research since this was good cop, bad cop. He threw 28 touchdown passes his rookie season. That's considered a bad year. Pickett ain't Peyton. No, he's not. And then my bad cop, another quarterback, arguably the worst number one overall pick, Jamarcus Russell. But by the way, kudos to to Ryan Leaf who straightened his life out, albeit, yeah, oh, albeit wasted his football talent. But um, <laughs> I'd still take Ryan Leaf right now over Jamarcus <laughs> Russell. Yeah, what an awful pick that was. He was like addicted to purple drank too. Like he was in a codeine habit. Yeah, that I get. I mean, who's not? That's not the reason why I think. I like that it's called purple drank. 
<laughs> what what's in that exactly, and how do you know? Uh, it's cough medicine, Sprite, and you put a little Jolly Rancher at the bottom too for flavor. I thought there was like Hawaiian punch in there. It's, I'm sure you could throw a splash of Hawaiian punch in there, but I've heard that the purple drink is Sprite, cough syrup, a little Jolly Rancher. That's like when I've gone to, to the Armstrong household, Colby Armstrong and Melissa, they their have lovely family. Drink. They have something approximating. <laughs> I think they use wine though instead. Instead of cough syrup. Yeah, there's there's, there's like a bunch of weird stuff in there, but like you could just drink it forever, <laughs> and I, and I have. Um, okay, uh, we we got to talk quickly NHL playoffs. Uh, I keep hearing how how great the hockey is. I don't see it that way. I don't think it's bad. I think they're exciting, close games, but the amount of violence and untoward play. I keep hearing the referees getting blamed. I think the referees are overwhelmed by yeah. some of the crap that's happening. The most recent, did you see what Kale McCarr did yeah, to Jared McCann last night? It reminded me of way back when, I think the 93 playoffs, when Turgeon for the Islanders scored an overtime, and Hunter ran him after the goal, Dale Hunter from Washington, and put him out of the playoffs. Yeah, McCann didn't even score on that play. and you could, but, but the play was over. Like right. The puck was nowhere near you him. You see McCann like peeling off and then starting to like come out of his stance and kind of just coast a little bit. And then he just gets plowed into the boards by a superstar. And that's yeah, what's that, so that, upsetting. Never mind that Matt Martin... For the Islanders, commits a felony almost right. every shift. Okay, but the I understand are doing that it. he's Matt Martin, but Kale McCarr did that. The the defending and reigning Norris Trophy winner. You have Matthews and right. Stamkos fighting. You have Linus Olmark, the presumptive right. Vezina winner, fighting. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And here's the funny part: it's so wrong. But the league and those who analyze it on TV love it. They think this is what the game is supposed to be. Well, that's why. And let me let me quote my numbers here. The playoffs have been averaging like 600,000 viewers per game so far. 668, I think, right? And the women's basketball final on NCAA got 9.9 million or whatever it was. I mean, how can you not look at that and wonder why aren't more people watching? And how can you not think that this has something to do with chasing away the casual fans? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe they've been chased away for good. Yeah, like maybe there's no bringing them in. But the only way you were going to bring them in was with highly skilled play. Like, I was well, watching, you, you do get a degree of that. I mean, know, I was more, watching the Rangers Devils last night, and they great. were going up and down the ice. Like except, for, except for Jacob Truba, there's nobody on those teams who knows how to play the way I'm talking about, the dirty way. That's why the best series is Edmonton and the Kings because they just go back and forth, and no one on those teams knows how to play dirty, which is how it should be. You know, it's funny. You say the league office thinks this is how the game should be, and this is how they well, want Gary it to Bentman be. Well, Gary Bettman doesn't know anything about hockey, okay? He's a good finance guy, promotion guy. He's a good league administrator. But guys like Colin Campbell, who's a total brickhead, you know, he has too much influence, and the GMs run the league. You know, it's the only league where the GMs run it, not the owners, and and, and they're all Canadians. How could they not look at what baseball did this past offseason, too? And, the and dr- what football does every year. Yeah, like just, Football's always fixed. And it's always with the fan and the product in mind. It doesn't have to do with the player. Well, I mean, obviously in football there's player safety initiatives and stuff like that. But for the main things that they change, as far as the gameplay is concerned, it's with the fan base, the consumer in mind. NHL doesn't have that. It's all about what the old boys club wants. You you can tell who the pressure's on in these playoffs, Tom. Oh because, yeah. Because Toronto was down four to one and they come back and beat Tampa in overtime. Edmonton's down three nothing to LA. They come back and beat the Kings in overtime. Toronto and Edmonton have to do something. If they both would go out in the first round, there would be major changes. I think Edmonton might even trade Drysidle. I think they would look at that as a wow. flawed a flawed concept that that that. that Two-headed monster. You know what I've always loved. This is this is uh, ever since the Penguins got Sid and Gino. 
every time a team gets two good guys, they think, well, we have our Sid and Gino. <laughs> yeah, except for the winning part. Now, now Chicago kind of did with Taves and Kane, right. and they won, although I Taves, I mean, him he being included no yeah. in that all-time 100 was ridiculous. But I remember Philadelphia had Richards and Carter. and said, oh, that's our Sid and Gino. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Then they had Voracek and uh, Giroux. Oh, that's our Sid and Gino. No, because you got to win. Remember when that, that sports writer, he's actually a nice guy, Carcitti. Yeah, the passing of the torch. He said he said the Crosby passed the torch to Giroux. I mean, how laughable is that all these years later? Then again, I'll have you know that in yesterday's trip, yesterday's, I wrote that the Pirates would never get a deal done with Reynolds. <laughs> and, and, and they got it done less than 24 hours later. What do you think of that? I mean, that's... You, you should just think of it as that they're reading your stuff and just did it to spite you. I would not put that beyond them. With I, the NHL, I don't think Bob Nutting even knows who I am. Probably not. With the NHL playoffs, though, in Toronto, don't you feel like they're kind of like exercising some demons right now with the way things are going in Tampa Bay? Like coming back from bad deficits, I stealing think, games. I think more than anything, Tampa Bay is totally they're worn done. out. Yeah, and I think last night was the moment that they hit the wall. So you think that's over? It's 3 1 while we're recording yeah, it's this over. podcast. They're, Toronto's yeah. going to wrap it up in Toronto. It is Toronto, though. No, I think this is beyond that. I, I think the Tampa guys, and let me tell you, I, I, I the Penguins in 2010 were like this because they got to the yeah. final in 08, they won in 09, a bunch of them played in the Olympics in 2010, soon oh, got the right. golden goal, and then when they lost to Montreal in the second round, they were disappointed, but like, you know, okay, we had a pretty good run, that's really, really bit. tired, yeah. and I think that's how Tampa's going to feel, even going in to Game 5 at Toronto. And do you think the guy who might be feeling most of that wear and tear is in that Vasilevsky? That it's just caught He's up not looked great, most? has he? No, he hasn't. Not his normal playoff self. Yeah. But then again, he flips that switch, and all of a sudden you're looking at a Game 7, and it might get tight for Toronto. He ain't going to flip it. It's too late to flip it. He's for looking, any of them to flip it. He's looking at the golf course right now. And, right. and Hedman is doing his best, but he's hurt. Right. Chernak being out because that, that hit by Bunning, that, that really damages them. You know, don't forget... Free agency bled their depth away slowly but surely over the last couple years. Yeah, of course, which is just natural in any kind of a salary cap league when you're a team that wins as much as they do. Who? Let me ask you a question. Who's your biggest surprise so far for the Stanley Cup playoffs? Well, I'll, I'll, can I can I base it like on just recent events? Yeah, of course. New Jersey turning around that series. Going I thought O'd. they were done and dusted when they were down two games to none, losing both at Newark. Yeah, winning two in the Garden. Well, you know what's happening there? Everybody says it, but not really out loud so much they imply it. Rossi said it out loud. Lindy Ruff is badly outcoaching Gerard Gallant. Badly just outcoaching. Skating him. circles around. Yeah, him. just like like whatever they were getting right in games one and two, they no longer get right because Lindy solved it. And hey, Lindy's no brain surgeon either. But but <laughs> but Jerry can't figure out a way back. And uh, I think that's been a brilliant series. Yes. And and I see I New York. It's funny how quick it changes because after New York won the first two games, I said, you know, these guys could win the Stanley Cup because I love. Their third line, the Keto line. Right. But then again, you look at some guys like Tarasenko's quiet, Kane's quiet. All their big guys are relatively quiet. I mean, they're not invisible. But Kane hasn't clicked since he's gotten there, for and sure. And that wasn't a good get. You said at the time, it was too much. Too many cooks. Yeah. And, and it screwed up their power play. Like, like Trocek's not always in the bumper now. He needs to be in a bumper. What, here's what they're doing. They're putting their five best players out there on the power play as opposed to what would be their best yes. power play. 
I'll throw the Kraken out there as a surprising team too. I, I thought that they would probably go down three to one yesterday when they lo- were playing at Seattle. Yeah, but now Colorado. they're leading scores out. Yeah, that stinks. And Cal McCarr was dirty to take him out, but still, see, I, see, no, I he, thought that was going to be a five-game series. If you're going to practice eye for an eye at the beginning of the next game, somebody on Seattle should break McCarr's ankle. Just go right for him. Just slash him. Yeah, just I slash agree. the. And and how could Colorado get too mad? I know. It really is baffling to me that, like you said, it's not a Matt Martin type that did that. It's arguably the best player on the ice. Just deciding, you don't get to blow by me because you're Jared McCann. Boom! Into the boards, you're done. Actually, if I were Kale McCarr, I might feel exactly that way. One last thing, too, and I'm going to talk about this on my X show. One thing that's happened in the playoffs is that I'm reminded why the Penguins aren't there. Give you a case in point. Okay. Edmonton has the best power play maybe ever. They converted 32% of the time in the regular season, which I think is an all-time record. It's like a coin flip now in the playoffs, right? They're converting 64% of the time. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. And you know what? Uh, they have McDavid and Dreisaitl on it. You know what that power play does? It blasts away. That kid on the point, Bouchard, who has a hammer, he shoots so much, I bet his arms are tired. What do you, like, two-minute power play, they average, what, like seven, eight shots? I, I don't know I don't know what the numbers are, but, but they— but It wouldn't surprise you if it was up there? They run a simple shot-based power play. Another case in point. Devils take the lead in game four against the Rangers at the Garden. It's fair to say the Devils are one of the two or three fastest teams in hockey, right? And much faster than the Penguins, right? Yes. Guess what they did with the lead? They trapped. They trapped the rest of the game. Lindy, he adjusted. Which goes to show you that it's not that the Penguins can't. It's that the Penguins don't want to. And, like, of course a team with so much young talent in New Jersey wouldn't be ecstatic to do that for a full 60 minutes, night in and night out. But you don't ask them to do that. You well, ask them to do it when they need to protect a 3-1 lead. And, Tom, that's where they might need a new coach. Because Mike Sullivan's never going to go into a power play meeting and say, okay, shoot the puck more. If you don't, we'll put somebody else out there who will. Because it's always going to be the stars that get out there. Right, the exactly. Play. And they won't do that. It, well, you know where that power play's flawed? In, in the first place. They put Gino at the right half wall because that's where he wants to play. Sid should be on the right half wall. Even though he wouldn't be the, the shooter Gino is, Gino never shoots that much anyway. And Sid would be the quarterback from that spot. Sid down low doesn't impact the power play half as much as he could as the quarterback on the right half wall. Well, you've said a lot that the Gino-Sid era hasn't exactly been the most amazing power play in their well, entire tenure as Penguins. Those two aren't good on a power play. They're not horrible. But like when I think of power play, I think of like Gonch, Kessel, Mario, Specialist. Kovalev, a, a guy like... Uh, Ovi just standing there clapping. Zabinijad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Guys like that. That's that's what I think of when I think of power play guys. But let me tell you, if they put Sid on the right half wall and Gino, I don't care where else, <laughs> maybe the left half wall. Seriously. Yeah. It would be a much better power play. Because... With Gino on the left half wall, if the other guys took it upon themselves to shoot more, those two would tee them up all the time. Man, and with the competition that they're going to have to make the playoffs next year in the East, they really need a strong power play. And they're not making the playoffs. Steelers aren't making the playoffs. Pirates aren't making the playoffs. (laughs) Pittsburgh, what a great sports time. That's Tom Offerman. I'm Mark Madden. Thank you for listening to the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.